Uh, good morning, Grace Church. Great to see you this morning. And uh, just like we uh, have already heard, we're going to be in the Gospel of John, and we're going to be in Chapter 6 this morning. And before we dive in, just want to introduce myself. For those of you that may be visiting for the first time, my name is Justin Ross, one of the pastors here at Grace, and we want to welcome you. And uh, we are so glad that you're here to worship and to hear the teaching and preaching of God's Word. And we trust and we believe uh, that God is going to speak to you this morning. That he's going to reveal himself to you. That he's going to make himself known to you in ways that will benefit your life. In ways that will challenge you. In ways that will help you to know more about who he is. So if you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 6. That's where we're going to be uh, this morning. And if you don't have a Bible, man, just like, like uh, we, we mentioned multiple times, um, we try to mention it as often as we can. We would love to give you a Bible. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, we're going to have verses on the screen but if you don't own a Bible, we'd love to give you one. Just ask at the Welcome Center there in the lobby, and we will uh, gladly give you a Bible this morning. Uh, before we dive into the message, though, I wanted to uh, just answer a question that uh, has been asked a few times um, over the past couple months that I've heard about here at Grace. And uh, we've talked about this before, but I think, you know, sometimes we live in a, a very transient community. And so we've decided as a pastor team that sometimes we need to to communicate things over multiple weekends because so many people are coming and going and so many people uh, are up in the mountains looking at the colors and they're here one weekend and they're gone the next. And so um, if you're here and you've already heard this, um, just bear with me. But I think there's many of us who this may be the first time. But over the past couple months, multiple people have asked this similar question and that is, if I get involved or if I commit to Grace Church, you know, I, I love coming. I, I really appreciate the, the music and the worship. This is like the friendliest church in town that I've ever been a part of. Um, the message is okay, but uh, you know, if I just really enjoy my experience here at Grace. But if I get involved, if I commit to Grace Church, what are the financial requirements? Like what, what financially am I obligated to do? How much will I be required to give? And so I just wanted to to communicate and make sure that it's really clear to us this morning that committing to Grace Church is not like joining a club. There's not a monthly fee. We don't get your bank account. Okay, We, we actually don't care All right, what you give. Um, we don't watch what you give. That is between you and the Lord. But I just wanted to, to take just a moment before we dive into the message to explain our view of giving here at Grace Church to clear up any misunderstandings. But first of all, when people commit to Jesus Christ, and when they commit to his church, we are going to teach, we are going to encourage, and we hope that people will grow in their generosity. Because we believe God's people are generous people. Because we have been given eternal life. We have been given so much. And so our response is to give in return, is to give back. And so we hope that you will grow in your generosity. We, we want to see people demonstrate regular giving, generous giving, cheerful giving. We want people to be excited about giving, uh, not only to their church, but to people in need around them. And we hope that people will even uh, demonstrate sacrificial giving. And this is a level of giving where sometimes you're like, I don't know how this is um, going to happen. I don't know if I can even give this, but I can feel the Holy Spirit of God leading me to give this. And so I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to give and then that's when the miraculous happens. 
At Grace Church, we do teach tithing, which is 10% of your income, but we teach it as a principle, um, not a requirement. We teach it as a principle that, that you, man, I think it would be smart, I think it would be wise for you to follow, because I believe God honors that principle, but we're not going to teach it as a requirement. We believe God's people, once again, are generous people, and we want to see everyone grow in their faithfulness to generosity. And I, I have to say, Grace Church has always been a very generous church. You are a very generous people, and so I want to say, keep up the good work. Thank you for being generous, and I pray that you will grow in your generosity, and I pray it will be cheerful. I pray that it will be a pleasant experience for you, and uh, I'm, I'm excited for you as you grow in your generosity. I'm excited for you as you watch God provide in miraculous ways. And so... Um, as we get into the sermon now, I'm just going to stop for a moment. One of our core values here at Grace Church is prayer. And we believe the best way to move forward in your marriage, the best way to move forward in our church, the best way to move forward um, as a family is on our knees. And so uh, I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer, and I'm going to ask him to just increase our generosity, to help us have eyes to see people around us that are in need, and to be a generous people. And so if you would join me in prayer. Father, Thank you for this opportunity to gather, to uh, worship you through song. And now as we go into the message, God, I pray, uh, Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, and through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would speak mightily to the people that are here uh, this morning, to those that are watching online. Father, I just want to ask that you would increase our generosity. I pray that you would help us to have eyes to, to see people like you see people. And to, to be looking for ways that we can meet people's needs and that we can bless people. And I'm so thankful that we are in a church that are, uh, that's, that's a very generous church, a very generous people. And uh, Father, I just pray that you would increase our generosity and help us to be an incredible blessing to the community around us. Father, we uh, ask these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Recently, I, uh, I read a book. That was written by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. It's called Extreme Ownership. These were two Navy SEALs that uh, are writing a book about kind of owning your decisions. And that's where it gets the title, Extreme Ownership. And they tell the story of Ryan Job in this book. Some of you may have heard of Ryan's story, but Ryan was a Navy SEAL. And while he was fighting for our freedom in Ramadi, Iraq, he was shot in the face by an enemy sniper. Ryan was gravely wounded, but Ryan survived, and although his wound left him uh, permanently blind, he was able to survive this, this injury. Ryan's drive and his determination to live life to the fullest and to live a life of freedom was unstoppable. Shot in the face, permanently blind. Ryan... After he retired from the Navy, he married the girl of his dreams. He enrolled in a college program, and he earned a business degree, and he graduated with a 4.0. Despite being blind, Ryan successfully climbed the 14,410-foot summit of Mount Rainier. He also, this is crazy, he also personally bagged his own elk, okay? And he was using a... Uh, a rifle that was fitted with a specially designed scope with a camera for a spotter. But 
He got his own elk. And Ryan had as much right as anyone to be bitter about the life uh, that he had been dealt. He had every right to, to be disgruntled, to be bitter, to be frustrated, to turn to a path of anger. But instead, he chose a path of freedom. He chose a path of abundant life. He chose the path of saying, I'm not going to let this keep me down. I'm going to continue to do the right thing and go the right way. I wanted to share that story starting out this morning because freedom matters. We sang some songs this morning about freedom, and freedom really matters. And Jesus Christ is all about freedom. He's all about freedom. In fact, it was Jesus who said, He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Freedom can be seen all over the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we must know that freedom is not free. Freedom costs something. First of all, we see freedom in the content of the gospels. And the content is this. Like many times people hear that phrase gospel and it's like, what is that talking about? What is that referring to? But the content of the gospel is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and the gift of eternal life. That's the content of the gospel. But then freedom extends beyond that to the scope of the gospel. Jesus says in Luke 4, I have come to preach the good news to the poor, to the oppressed, to set the captives free. God wants people to be free for heaven, but he also wants them to be free from bondage here on earth. I think sometimes people get this uh, gospel mindset where they're like, man, I, I put my faith in Jesus and I, I'm, I'm free for heaven, but then they live in bondage while they're here on earth. And I want you to know this morning, God wants you to know this morning, that he wants you to not only be free for heaven, he wants you to be free right now while you're here on this earth. You see, the gospel content takes care of eternity. The gospel scope takes care of history. And the, and the fullness of the gospel, it is designed to set the captives free. And no matter what we face here on this earth, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, we can make the decision to have a freedom mindset, to have a heart of freedom. We're going to be in John chapter 6 today. And in verse 26 of John chapter 6, John chapter 6 is a, is a pretty long chapter, by the way. There's 71 verses. And so I'm not going to read all of those verses to you this morning for the sake of time. But I, I wanted to really zoom in on verse 26 because in this verse, we see the main theme for our time together today. So John chapter 6, verse 26, it says, Jesus replied, and there was a bunch of people gathered around him. And let me set the context real quick. Uh, just a few verses before this, uh, Jesus had just miraculously fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So it was more than 5,000. But he uh, miracul miraculously fed a bunch of people. And Jesus replied to the people that were around him, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. 
You see, the people in this story that we're going to refer to this morning, the people in the story were falling in love with the gifts and they were forgetting about the giver. People were falling in love with their freedoms and they were forgetting that freedom isn't free. People got so used to getting the gifts that the gifts became more important than the giver. And this concept that Jesus is addressing in the gospel of John chapter 6 is what we're going to be really zooming in on and focusing on here with our time this morning. People who want the goodies from God, but they don't want God. Jesus has just miraculously fed 5,000 men, once again, not counting all the women and children. He's done this miraculous thing and feeding a bunch of people. And the people have gone crazy about Jesus. I mean, could you imagine, like, the way the word would spread? And they were like, man, this guy, he has, like, become uh, an just instant celebrity. I mean, they're going crazy about Jesus. In fact, they now want Jesus to be their king. I mean, this guy just does amazing things. He performs miracles. Woo! Let's have him be our king. Let's have him be in charge. But listen to Jesus' reply again in verse 26 of John chapter 6. Like people are, I mean, chanting, Jesus, Jesus, he's the man, you know? They're taking selfies with him and stuff. And I mean, it's, he's just going viral. And it's like John 6, 26 says, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. You, you want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understand the miraculous signs. You, you want to be with me because I fed you, but you don't really want me, is what Jesus is saying. They really didn't want a king. They wanted Burger King, okay? They wanted a king to feed them. They, they wanted a king to clothe them and to bless them. But what they didn't want was a savior to forgive them. They really didn't want a Lord to lead them. They wanted freedom, but they didn't want to commit. See, there are a lot of different types of theologies and beliefs in our world today, especially in the church world. I mean, they're just abundant. They're, they're just a dime a dozen. But some of these beliefs and some of these theologies have made God into a goody giver, you know, into a, like a cosmic Santa. Um, or this belief that God exists to bless me. I think many churches have this mindset, or many Christians, we have this mindset that God is there to, to bless me. They don't understand that the reason that God does what He does, and the reason God gives what He gives, is actually to draw attention to Himself. To draw attention to His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, the, the, the rest of of John chapter 6 is designed for Jesus to let the people know that the physical was only done to call them to the spiritual. The physical was done to, to, to minister and to take care of the spiritual needs. I mean, the greatest miracles are the ones that uh, are spiritual, the ones that are going to last for eternity. And that's what Jesus was trying to communicate here. He, he was saying whenever the physical becomes... Um, an end in itself. Okay, whenever a physical 
miraculous thing happens or God provides in a miraculous way and and it's out of the bountiful goodness of God. But whenever the physical becomes an end in itself, it becomes idolatry. People begin to worship the gift and they forget about the giver. When the focus shifts from the gift and not on the giver, that's a problem. So Jesus uses this opportunity to teach the people about his real reason for coming to earth. And I believe it can be summed up in one phrase that he used multiple times throughout John chapter 6. And it's the phrase, we can see it in verse 48 of John chapter 6. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. In other words, Jesus is saying, I have come to satisfy you with spiritual life. I am what you need. I am. Man, we may, we may think we need something else. I need this, I need that, I want this, I want that. Jesus says, I am what you need. I am the bread of life. And yes, I give you the physical food to draw your attention to my spiritual provision. Yes, I take care of your physical needs. Yes, I will do miraculous things. Yes, I will provide in incredible ways. But I do that to make sure you know that I'm here to provide spiritual provision. So never be satisfied alone with what I can do for you externally and deny me my ultimate goal, which is to do the miraculous work in your life internally and give you eternal life. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what he's teaching. And the people that Jesus was teaching, they they began to argue amongst themselves. This is in John chapter 6. I highly encourage you to read it for yourself. But as Jesus was teaching this idea uh, of, of, of not being just fully satisfied in the physical, but understanding that Jesus will provide in the physical to teach us that he's everything we need in the spiritual, they began to, to argue amongst themselves. And when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, this, this statement confused them. It's like, what is he talking about? Like, is he saying, I mean, how are we supposed to eat his flesh? Like, is he teaching us to be cannibals? I mean, this is the, is this a cult? It's like, you know, they're having all these murmurings and, and they began to argue amongst themselves. And, and how can he give us his flesh to eat? He's the bread of life. This is so confusing. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. It's all about spiritual life, spiritual transformation. And then Jesus referred back to an Old Testament example, an Old Testament story that they would be very familiar with. And Jesus said, your fathers fed you with manna from the wilderness, or in the wilderness, rather. He he fed you with manna in the wilderness, but this manna was given to you by God. You see, the manna, this Old Testament story, remember the, the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness and they had no food to eat and God provided manna from heaven. It was a sign of his provision for their spiritual needs. And Jesus is referring to the story that everyone in his audience was very familiar with. They were saying to Jesus' example, they said, Jesus, when we were in the wilderness, our, our fathers gave us manna. And Jesus says, no, your fathers didn't give you manna. God gave you manna. In other words, It wasn't just what you got. 
It was who you got it from. They were so focused on what they received from heaven, they forgot about who gave it to them. They were so focused on the what, they forgot about the who. Once again, I think this is a very important message for the culture and the day that we live in. Many people use religion to gain prestige. They use religion to to comfort themselves, to help themselves feel better, or even to gain some political votes, right? To rub shoulders with the right people, to make some business deals. They use religion for their own benefit. But those are self-centered motives, True believers follow Jesus simply because they know He is the truth and His way is the right way to live. You see, here's the secret sauce, okay? I mean, if you just want to know what satisfied life is all about, here's the secret sauce. Satisfying God does not come or is not based upon our performance. It's based upon who we believe in. It's based upon Jesus Christ. And then out of this deep love for Jesus, we begin to do the good works that He has called us to. But we can't get it reversed. We can't get the cart in front of the horse. It's not based upon our performance. Like God's going to go, wow! Like you helped 10 uh, old elderly ladies across the street today. You are so amazing. You know, he, He's not going to be impressed with our performance He's going to be impressed in in who we believe in. And then out of that love for Jesus Christ, we begin to do the good works He has called us to. Every time you see the goodness of God, it should draw your attention to the God who is good. Every time you see the God who is good, it should remind you that that He's given you His goodness. So that we can see him. So to reject Jesus Christ is to reject the real food. The spiritual food. The spiritual nourishment. And that's why Jesus uses this phrase in verses 50 and 51. John chapter 6 verses 50 and 51. He says, anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer, uh, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. Once again, the people were confused by this. But Jesus, what he was teaching, they, they, didn't, they didn't have the ability to see what we see. We have the ability to look back and to know that Jesus was talking about him dying and rising again and that his body was going to be the sacrifice. But the people he was teaching, they didn't understand that. They didn't comprehend that. But Jesus was saying that life is found in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, the answer is always Jesus. It's always Jesus. Because that's where life, true life, is found. Jesus says, I have come to give you life. I have come so you don't have to die. I have come for the forgiveness of your sins. And so if you're going to eat something that really matters... Eat me, Jesus said. It's all about him. Jesus is talking about accepting his offer of salvation. He's talking about accepting his offer of salvation. 
many people were still stumbling over this. They were still confused by this. Ah, what does this mean? I think many in our day and age are still confused by this. It's like, man, when I come to church, I, I feel good. Um, I like, you know, when I pray, it kind of helps me to calm down. It brings some peace into my life. Man, I, I like interacting with the people of God. They're real friendly. They're real nice. Like we're getting the goodies from God. But then when God says, hey, I want your life. I want all of you. I want you to do what I tell you to do. It's like, man, we have a hard time stepping over that line and say, God, I don't know about that, but I still want the perks that you have to offer. I still want the goodies. But I don't know if I want to commit fully to your son, Jesus Christ. Many people were still stumbling over what Jesus was saying. They didn't understand the spiritual principles behind the physical miracle that he had just done. And he says in verse 62, Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend again into heaven? They weren't understanding this. And he was like, so what, what do you, what's going to happen when you see the Son of Man just begin to float in front of you back up into heaven? In other words, the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. Remember, these things had not yet happened yet. So they're looking at this from the other side. They hadn't, they hadn't, uh, Jesus hadn't risen from the dead yet. Jesus said in verse 64, some of you do not believe me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause just for, for a minute because I think it would be pastoral malpractice on my part if I didn't pause on that statement. Jesus Christ said, some of you do not believe me. Once again, I think they wanted the blessing but they didn't want to give their lives to the blessor. And I have to ask, those of you here this morning, in this room, those of you watching online, are there some of you who are getting the goodies from God, but you're not fully committing to God? Would Jesus say the same thing about you? There's some of you that do not believe me. Only you can answer that. And I pray that you will be able to come to a place in your life where you can say, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. And yes, I want to give him my life and I want to serve him all of my days. Amen. Towards the end of John chapter 6, Peter comes on the scene. Those of you that have uh, read or understood anything about Peter, he's a very interesting guy because he says what he thinks. And sometimes he puts his foot in his mouth. But uh, he is quite the character. But in verse 66, he says... Uh, it says, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Okay, one more, one more little pause. Jesus said, some of you don't believe me. Basically, you, you, you need me. And there were people that said, I want the goodies, but I don't want you. And they deserted. They left. They said, man, that was a great meal. Thanks for feeding us, Jesus. But I'm out. Peace. You know, they, they deserted him. And then verse 67, and then Jesus turned to the 12, his disciples, and he asked, are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. And this is Peter's classic 
statement of affirmation that Jesus came to offer eternal life to every man, to every woman, to every child that would receive it. So, so the principle or the idea or what uh, John is trying to teach in his gospel is that God wants to feed you. And I love what Brad said last Sunday right before we took communion. He said, the kingdom of God is, is the kingdom for the hungry. And God came to feed the hungry, not just physically, but spiritually. He doesn't mind feeding you physically as long as you don't stop there. James, another disciple of Jesus, tells, that, tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from above. We, we cannot forget about the giver. And while you're enjoying the gifts, don't forget about the one who provided them for you. First of all, I, I, I want to encourage you to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of eternal life. But then after you've received Him, don't forsake Him. John tells us that many people left the way. They stopped following Jesus be, because things got a little tough. It wasn't, it wasn't what they had envisioned. It, it wasn't all just kind of sun rays and butterflies. The goodies were no longer coming like they had hoped they would come and they didn't see their need for Jesus anymore. Man, we live in a culture, right, where we're so independent. We could provide anything. We can chase after anything. And I think it's incredibly awesome that we live in the country that we do. But I think sometimes we forget about the giver. We forget that everything you need in this life comes from the good hand of a gracious God. And that's why the scriptures teach us to receive what we've been given with a heart of thanksgiving. Man, don't forget about the giver while you enjoy the gifts. That's the lesson of this chapter of John chapter 6. It starts with your spiritual salvation. It starts with spiritual gratitude, spiritual service, spiritual appreciation. Of, man, just being appreciative and thankful for everything that God has given you. And then he goes on to say, you drink my blood and you eat my flesh. And what he meant by that was, you appropriate my life into you. You, you receive me. You put your faith in me. You, you decide to follow me. Every time we have communion, every time we sit at the Lord's table, it should be a reminder to us that our God is alive. Okay? But that freedom that comes to us spiritually, that hope that we have for eternity, it came with a price tag. Jesus sacrificed himself for you and for me. When we come to communion, it's the, it's the spiritual presence of Jesus Christ. And it's reminding us that the good things in this life and in the life to come, they all come because of Christ and the work that he did for us on the cross. Providing he was the substitutionary. He was a substitute. It should have been us hanging on that cross. But Jesus took our place and he sacrificed himself for your sins and for mine so that we can have eternal life. And that's what we do when we take communion as followers of Jesus Christ. We are we're celebrating that our God is alive and we're remembering the sacrifice that Jesus uh, did, that he laid down his life for our sins.